Hello, my name is Rivi Frankel. Welcome to Torah Yimecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we will be studying Sefer Zechariah, Perek Vav. Yesterday, we saw in the penultimate vision of Zechariah about the removal of evil from Eretz Yisrael, from the land of Israel, out into the north, out into Babel. This is something that we will see again today in the last vision of Zechariah. Zechariah's last vision, like his first vision, describe horses. Pasuk Aleph through Gimel, verses 1 through 3. I look up again and I see four chariots are coming out from two mountains, and the two mountains were made of copper. In the first chariot, there were red horses. In the second chariot, there were black ones. And in the third chariot, there were white horses. And in the fourth chariot, there were these spotted horses. The vision continues that each of these horses and their chariots are going out to different parts of the world to do Hashem's bidding. The very last Pasuk, Pasuk Chet, verse 8 of this vision says as follows, So then he points out to me, this Malach Shadoberbi, the angel that's speaking to me, and he says, Pay attention. Those horses that went out to the area of the north, they have rested my spirit in the area of the north. And like we did yesterday, we have to ask the question, are the horses that are going out to the area of the north Horses that are punishing Bavel, punishing the people who went against B'nai Yisrael, or are they there to bring some sort of message or even perhaps some sort of punishment to the Jews that continue to remain outside of Israel, even in the period of Shabbat Zion, even in the period of returning to Zion? We don't have an answer to those questions, but some commentators suggest a reading of the Psukim, especially Pasuk Vav, especially verse 6, to suggest that there were actually two separate groups of horses that went out to the north. Pasuk Vav, verse 6, says as follows, Asher ba'asusim ha-shorim yotzim el-eret zafon, v'halevinim yotzu el-achorehem, v'habrodim yotzu el-eret teman. And so the black horses go out into Eretz Zafon. Then the literal translation of the next section of the verse is that the white ones go to Acharehem, to after them, to a section section. So some of the commentators say, oh, that means to the west or to the east. And the spotted ones go down to the land of the south. But what some of the commentators would like to suggest is that actually the Levinim, the white horses, go after the black horses. The black horses bring punishment to our enemies in Babel, in Babylon. And the white horses, the clean, the pure horses, go out to tell the people of Israel that are still left in Babel, Hashem has completed what he has promised. It is now time to come home. And with this, we end the section of Zechariah that is his eight visions. But it's interesting to note, as we already did, that the visions begin with horses and end with horses. Some commentators suggest 
that the similarities are not just with the first and the last of these visions, but in fact, this is a chiastic structure where we have a structure of A, B, C, D, D, C, B, A, a mirror, if you will. Identifying a chiastic structure in the text is only significant if we can find meaning in it. And in order to find meaning in a chiastic structure, what you need to do is go into the center. In this case, we have a double center. We have the center of the vision of Yehoshua taking off his dirty clothing and putting on his new clean clothing, ready to serve the Beit HaMikdash. And we have the vision of the menorah telling us about the connection between the roles of the king and the role of the Kohen Gadol. At the end of the day, these two visions are not just for the leaders of the Jewish people, but for us as well. They're about the Brit that we have with God, the covenant, the connection between Hashem and the Jewish people. The visions of Zechariah bring us to what the focal point of what the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, should be. Like Rav Hirsch said, it is not about materialism and having a building or a place to come to confess, to bring a sacrifice, and then say, I'm Yotze, I'm done. It is a place where we are supposed to work on our relationship, where Hashem says, I see you returning to me, and I will take off your dirty clothing. And where we say, we see what our role is, which is spreading the light that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. While we may be finished with the method of using visions, we're still in one unit in Sefer Zechariah. The rest of Perak Vav of chapter 6 and 7 and 8 will also drive home this message of covenant and connection using a different methodology. Pasuk Tetz verse 9 tells us of a nevuah that Zechariah gets. Hashem Behold, the word of God comes to me saying, Zechariah is instructed to go out and meet a delegation of Jews who have come from Babel, of Jews who have come from the exile. And it seems that they have come with material presence to dedicate, to donate to the Beit HaMikdash. Pasuket Aleph, verse number 11, So you should take the gold and the silver from this delegation, and you should make crowns. Put the crown, the samta, you should put it, so it's unclear we had two crowns and now one crown, on the head of Yoshua, the Kohen Gadol. Va'amarta elav pasuk yud bet, verse number 11, you should tell him saying, Ko amar Hashem tzvakot lemor, hine ish tzemach shemo, umitachtav yitzmach ubana et heichal Hashem. And behold, a man whose name is tzemach, and from underneath him will sprout or will grow and build at Hechal Hashem and build this Beit HaMikdash for God. Verse number 13, and he's going to build this temple for Hashem. And he shall take the majesty and sit on his throne and rule. And there's also going to be a Kohen, a priest, who sits on his throne. And there is going to be atzat shalom. There's going to be peace 
between the two of them. This goes back to what we said in chapter number four, where we saw the duality of the roles between Zerubbabel and Yehotzadak, the Kohen, and the Pachat, the governor who would hopefully become the king. And this brings us back to our question of the two crowns, the one crown, what is going on with the gold and the silver and this crown? The Malbim suggests that one crown is for Zerubbabel, who would hopefully be Tzemach, would hopefully be the person to step into the role that Zechariah is describing, and that the second crown, the silver crown, would be for the Kohen Gadol. The challenge with this interpretation is that there's no mention of crowning anybody except for Yehoshua. The Radak looks at this question and says, listen, it's obvious. It doesn't need to be stated. It says there's two crowns, Atarot, one is going to be for Zerubbabel and one is going to be for Yehoshua. But Rav Hirsch comes and says that, in fact, there is one crown made of both gold and silver, two crowns together, just for Yehoshua, because there is no contrasting power in Israel. The real malchut, the real kingship, is representative in the Kohen Gadol. The role of the king is leadership in a military way, and the role of a Kohen Gadol is to be that spiritual image, that spiritual leadership for the people, for the house of Hashem, where the Shrina of Hashem rests. And in reality, that's one crown. And so currently that crown goes to sit on the head of Yoshua ben Yehotzadak. It's interesting because in Pasuk Yedalad, we're told that these crowns actually hang lezikaron behechal Hashem as a, rem- as a memorial in the Hechal, in the Beit HaMikdash. The Mishnah and Midot describes that there were two crowns that used to hang from a beam as a message to the people. The last Pasuk in this parak, Pasuk Tetvav, verse 15, And so men from far away are going to come and they're going to take part in the building of the Beit HaMikdash, of the temple, and they're going to know, again, we see that Zechariah is is telling us, it seems like he's he's wondering if all of Bnei Israel, if also the people in Bavel and also the people in Israel are going to accept him, but everybody's going to know. But this is only going to happen when when you listen to the voice of God. This memorial hanging, these crowns hanging, suggests that even though they went temporarily, either on the head of just Yoshua or on the head of Yoshua and Zerubbabel, that they hung in the Beit HaMikdash, reminding us the purpose of the Beit HaMikdash, reminding us that the idea of the Beit HaMikdash is a building that is supposed to focus us in the same way that our leaders, our king and our Kohen Gadol, are representatives of an image of what our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with Hashem, should be. And when we are willing to submit to the Malchut, to the kingship, to the authority of God, and when we are willing to submit to the process of tshuva and of what the Beit HaMikdash stands for, and we're willing to recognize that these two crowns are really being crowned on God's head. That's when the Beit HaMikdash, that's when the temple can fulfill its real goal 
of being a place where B'nai Yisrael, where the Jewish people and God can meet in breeds, can meet in covenant, can meet in relationship, and can meet in true understanding. May we ourselves be zoche, may we merit to not only have material wealth and material goodness, but to be able to use it in a way that expresses our understanding of the role of materialism in praising and being in relationship with God. Thank you for studying today together. Le'ilu'i nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat Alexander Sander.